Good morning, Vision for You. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 13, 2020. Today we're reading from the Big Book, and uh, we're currently on page 20, Roman numeral 28, XXVIII. It's the fourth paragraph, the last paragraph on the page, which begins, Men and Women Drink. And that's going to continue on to the next page. Uh, and we're going to focus our comments on after they have succumbed through there is very little hope of his recovery. We're going to focus our comments on those two parts of that paragraph. So today's readers, uh, we have Mary G. on the 12 Steps, Elaine J. on the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are going to be Barbara E. and Sam S. Um, and our newcomer greeter following this meeting is Rick J., and the host for the second hour is Matt F. The share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, August 12th, is the 7 a.m. meeting, 15,145. That's 15145. And the 10 a.m. meeting, 15,146. 15146. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious, uh, religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. And at a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive reading, they can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me now ask Mary G. if you'd be kind enough to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. This is Mary G., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Minnesota. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. I pass. Thank you, Mary G. Much appreciated. Okay, now, um, Elaine J., would you be good enough to read the 12 traditions? Good morning, Elaine. Good morning. I'm a compulsive reader. My name's Elaine J. I'm from Pennsylvania, but I'm currently in beautiful Colorado. Here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain we need always to maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me to serve. Thanks, Elaine. Lucky in Colorado. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's our... Here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, for readers it's six months, and there's no abstinence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read, and we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So let me tell you where we're at, where Barbara's going to read from. So we're in the big book. We're on Roman numeral page 28, XXVIII. It continues on to the next uh, page. It's the fourth paragraph. It begins, men and women drink. And the comments are going to be focused on, on uh, after they have succumbed through there is very little hope of his recovery on those two specific sentences primarily. 
So with that long instruction, Barbara E., would you get us started? Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for your service, and good morning, everyone. Okay. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over unless this person can experience an entire psychic change. There is very little hope of his recovery. Well, so true for me. When I read this entire important paragraph, I always substitute the word I for they or them because this paragraph is so relevant for me. Food was my solution for coping with life. If I was in too much pain, fear, excitement, boredom, resentment, envy, or just because I wanted to, I ate. I craved the ease and comfort from the salty, greasy, sweet foods that gave me the numbness I needed. I hoped against hope that the two bags of French fries, Big Mac, and chocolate shake would not send me back out of a out of control spree into a spree, praying that I could stop, but I never could. Saw saw others eating with impunity, with no negative repercussions. That's what I prayed for, that I'd stop gaining weight while continuing my out-of-control eating. Delusional thinking, it was pure insanity. But the doctor's opinion explained that there were other people just like me, and I didn't have to be doomed to repeat the same mistakes over again if I followed all the proposals that Bill thought could save a person like me. The 12 steps in this book did remove my urge to use food as a missile of my own self-destruction. I learned as I worked with my sponsor that if I wanted to remain abstinent, I had to take responsibility for my actions, acknowledging the pain I'd caused in others. I needed a psychic change, which meant a transformation in my reaction to life a change in my personality that altered the way I would think and react to the world, a change in my moral psychology. And that meant not only to know good, but to do good. It says I had to take a few simple steps. For me, they were not simple or easy, but necessary if I wanted to recover from this killing disease. And I learned that my life experience could be of value if it was used to good account to help other suffering overeaters to bridge the abyss by offering my hand out to them. OA taught me how to get sober from my compulsive addictive foods, but the trick was to stay stopped. 
OA has helped me to stay stopped for over two decades now and to give away the 11 sizes of clothing I needed to cover my body and give away 130 pounds. Notice I didn't say lose because I always knew where I could find them again, as I'd done so many times before. I used to thank God for bringing me to OA. Now I thank OA for bringing me to God and for saving my life. But to do that, I had to be vigilant. And in Latin, vigilant means sentry, vigilo. I had to be a sentry guarding my abstinence and paying it forward. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I pass. Thanks for getting us started, Barbara. Okay, just to let you know where we're at, Barbara read from Roman numeral page uh, 28, XXVIII, the fourth paragraph, men and women drink. And we're going to try to focus our comments on the uh, two sentences after they have succumbed through there is very little hope of his recovery. And so uh, just, uh, uh, just to let you know, um, we value your experience, but if you've shared in the past uh, couple, three days here, we'd, we'd appreciate uh, giving other folks a chance. And who would like to share on what was read? Tina S. Tina. Nancy T. Denise J. Denise. Carmela G. Melissa C. Roz C. Katie. Roz. Here's who I heard so far. Um, I may have missed some folks. Uh, Tina, Diane, Denise, Nancy, Carmela, Katie F, I believe it was, and Roz G. Did I miss? Melissa C. I'm going to have oh, to Melissa. pass, Larry. Sorry. Uh, okay. No, no worries. Okay. No worries, Katie. No problem. Okay. So let's let's go with this first round. We've got Tina, Diane, Denise, Nancy, Carmela, uh, Roz, and Melissa. So um, if you're not Tina, would you please mute your phone again? Good morning, Tina. Good morning, Larry. Thanks so much for service. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Overeater, uh, anorexic. Grateful to be on the line this morning. And yeah, what a great paragraph for sure. And you know, I, I love that it talks about, you know, both the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind in this paragraph and, and the solution, you know, what is not the solution and what is. And it says, you know, after they have succumbed, you know, to the desire again, and, you know, and that is bottom line, you know, failing to resist, you know, because on my own, I cannot resist. Bottom line, cannot resist on my own. And that's step one. You know, I'm totally powerless. My life becomes totally unmanageable. And step two takes me to get out of myself and not be resisting on my own. And, um, you know, and once I'm in that, you know, once I have succumbed, you know, and once I have picked up, put that, my allergic substances, alcoholic foods into my body, you know, whether I, I eat them again, that, you know, that's neither here nor there, you know, it, it eventually will happen. But the obsession of the mind is killing me. You know, I am a great dieter until I am not, you know, and so I can stay away, you know, from putting it in my body, but I cannot stop thinking about it, you know, and so that's where the killer is for me. You know, my mind is crazed and, you know, and, and it is over and over, you know, and I don't even have to pick up the food, but all I can think about is it, whether I eat it, don't I eat it. And then it tells me here, you know, that the phenomenon of craving develops, of course, 
you know, and that there is a firm resolution on my own to not do it again, but I cannot do it on my own, you know, and over and over again it says that, you know, that I cannot, that I'll be either in the food or thinking about it until an entire psychic change happens, you know, and that is the only solution that has ever worked for me, and it's only through work in the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, a spiritual awakening, getting out of my own way and letting the power greater than myself take me to a place that I don't, I, that I've never been before, and that I am free from the allergy and from the obsession. You know, not reco- not uh, cured, but recovered one day at a time. And uh, great stuff. Looking forward to hear what everyone has to share, and I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Tina. Yeah, if you guys can give your your last initial. Um, we have Diane followed by Denise. Hey, Diane. Good morning. Diane, press star one to unmute your phone. Maybe no Diane. Okay, well, how about uh, how about Denise? Hi, this is Denise J. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hey, Denise. Um, wow, I can just so relate to the whole spree. Um, you know, being on vacation this summer and you know, when you when we were reading about, you know, we see others take without impunity, it reminds me of how I thought I was the other. I thought, well, in the past, this is never a problem. Well, in the past, this is never a problem. This is just a fluke that I'm in a restaurant having problems now. And you know what? You guys teach me that. Hey, God, more will be revealed. And when it's revealed, I'm so grateful that I have a a way to look at it. And then the big book teaches me all of these ways that I can now be free of this new obsession. It's just just amazing. Um, I'm just so grateful that I'm taught over and over. I'm not stupid. I'm just a very fast forgetter that although something may have worked before, you know, I just can't. If I'm feeling that spree, I'm triggered, and that's something to look at. And even though I might be abstinent, quote-unquote abstinent, if I'm getting that mental obsession, that's the cue to look at something. So thank you guys for continuing to teach me. Um, That's all I have, and I'll pass. Oh, thanks, Denise. Okay, Nancy, Drew, let's unravel the mystery here. Hey, Nancy, good morning. Good morning, Larry and Nancy T. Compulsive overeater, grateful to be on there. And I love this paragraph. I don't know. You know, I think anytime you enter into a discussion on this paragraph, you could go for hours. There's just so much packed into this into this paragraph, and I'm glad we kind of focus on a certain part of it. So, you know, it tells me that after I have succumbed to the desire again, and I looked up the words succumb, fail to resist pressure, temptation, or some other negative force, Failure to resist. I can't resist it. Nancy T. cannot resist um, the urge, the temptation to pick up that bite. I have already, once I succumb, I have decided that the lies in my head are truth, like was in the first part of the paragraph. I can't tell the difference. So I've convinced myself that uh, what are some of those lies? This bite won't hurt. 
Um, I'm going to stop after. I'll start over tomorrow. You know, all those, we all know those lies. We, I've convinced myself that those are true, so I succumb to the first bite. And that's all it takes. I'm off and running. And the elusive part of this disease is I might not be off and running that very minute. That doesn't mean that just because I put a bite of a trigger food in my mouth, I am all of a sudden going to binge that second. Oh, no, it can play tricks. It can let me think, oh, see, you got away with one bite, so let's have more. And so then I'll eat more, and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to start over tomorrow, and oh, I'm going to start over as soon as I gain 10 pounds, I'll stop, you know, or I'm going to, you know, that it's that over and over. And I wrote in my book where it says this is repeated over and over. I go over and over and over and over. I, I mean, I have, I can't even count my share of relapses since I've been in recovery. And um, I pray to God I never have to experience that again because I know hands down what this paragraph is telling me, that the only way to stop that vicious cycle that starts from the very first bite is to experience an entire psychic change, 100% psychic change. I can't have a 95% psychic change. It won't work. I have to surrender completely, 100%. I have to admit and accept and then live like I believe that, that 100% I'm powerless and God is in charge. I have to give it all to him. And I have also learned that the only way to get that entire psychic change, the only way, at least for me, that I found, I haven't ever found another way to get it, um, is by working the 12 steps in the order they're written, thoroughly and completely, one step at a time. And then I'm guaranteed if I do that, if I do what's suggested in this book in the first 164 pages, I will experience that, that entire psychic change that will stop that vicious cycle, and I don't have to succumb again to the desire. Thank you for letting me share. I can't wait to hear what everybody else has to say. I'll pass. Uh, thanks, Nancy. Okay, now pitching for the Yankees. Carmela G. Carmela. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much for your service. This is Carmela G., a grateful compulsive overeater recovered from New York. Um, The elusiveness. My specialty, my career of 42 years was caring for mothers and babies. And um, during the... I guess it was the 70s when crack was first out. Maybe it was the 80s. I can't remember. Um, I had to take a special course. And now I was in disease completely. I was in disease until just a few years, seven years ago. That's not a long time um, to be in recovery. But I was in full-blown disease. And I had to take this course by this addiction specialist and I traveled up town to Columbia University and I sat in that classroom for three days and my elusiveness was in full bloom. After the doctor presented the lecture, I had the nerve to raise my hand and say, doctor, please. They want to quit. They should be able to quit. And here I was sitting over 200 pounds. And I'm criticizing these women because they could not put down their substance. I said, they tell me that 
they love their babies and they want a healthy baby. And what do they do? They're using this junk. You mean to tell me they can't stop for a few months? Well, the doctor got up from his seat behind the podium and he walked around and I was sitting in the first row, you see, because I was very smart. And he got in my face and he said, Madam, the substance owns them. Do you understand what it is to be owned by a substance? All they can think of is when they're going to get their next hit. And that is exactly how I was with food. But it never sunk in. The denial, the elusiveness. Oh, not me, not me. I can control it. One bite, I can do it. And it never stopped until I was near death. And only through finding this program and working these steps Can I comprehend what the solution is by working and living in the steps? And with that, I pass. Oh, thanks, Carmela. Okay, we have Roz G followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Roz. Good morning, Larry. There you are. Yes. I just I just pressed R1. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Roz G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Palmdale, California. And the shares have been uh, so wonderful so far. Thank you. Um, okay. After my body, my body demands. My body demands something. It says, okay, you need something. You need something now, and I listen to it. I have to follow its directions. I I obey its commands. And I go back into the chocolate chips. I say, oh, I'm going to go to Costco. I get I get these huge muffins. They're of course they're not cake, they're muffins. And I I cut I cut it in fourths, and I have one fourth of the muffin. And I lie to myself by saying I'm going to have one-fourth because I come back and I eat the other little fourth and then before you know it, I eat the whole Costco muffin and and then I'm off to the races again. And then, yeah, I'm feeling sorry for myself and sad, wondering what I just did. And so I have a resolution and that is, is I'm going to work out harder so I can work it off. Or I'm going to wear a sweatband all day so that I can sweat it off. Or if it's New Year's, I'm going to lose 50 pounds with absolutely no plan on how I'm going to do that. Over and over. It was a cycle of working out and eating and working out and eating. Endless. No plan as to how to stop with just these fantasies in my head of how I'm going to look like Erica Kane or the women in the soap operas with which I, I, I binged and watched every day. 
I did not understand what a psychic change is. I did not understand what being powerless was until I had to experience what it is. Every one of these steps and every one of these uh, these uh, phenomena that we've talked about, I have had to experience, experiential learning for me to understand what it does. And as was shared before, I didn't know what a psychic change was. And I personally think I can, I, I don't think people can understand what a psychic change is until they've worked these steps. And I mean, like with their, like their hair is on fire. <clears throat> because now my mind has, has, has altered. I have, a, there's an alteration in my thinking. Because when I see the muffins and I see the cookies, I think, Look look what that did to me. It gave, it got me, you know, it, it got me overweight, yes, but what really got me is the surgeries that I had to have due to the, all of the overworking out that I did. And the doctors looking at reminder. me and telling me what, thank you, what not to do. Thank God for the psychic change because I've had it and I don't want that crap anymore. Thank you and I pass. Thank you, Roz. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, and then we'll take some more shares. Good morning, Melissa. Hey, good morning, Larry. Thank you so much for your service this morning. I'm Melissa C., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. And, um, you know, I um zeroing in on the idea of a psychic change because, you know, I had a mind that I was always going to succumb. Like, I could not help but to succumb to the desire because... My mind was so fixated on everything that wasn't right in the world, and that would leave me with this feeling. I had this overwhelming discomfort inside. I was, like, internally itchy. And very often, you know, like, my workplace was the perfect spot where I would succumb because there were loads of people that I had to interact with that pissed me off. And... You know, so I would go into the staff room and other people would be mad too. It was like a common demeanor of people that, you know, have employers that they don't like. Um, And I would eat something. And, you know, and then the rest of the day, it was like I'm a magnet drawn back into the staff room. And I couldn't help but go back in there. And, you know, me, I was so self-righteous about how people were doing things wrong I would leave my class unattended. You know, I would tell somebody, can you throw an eye? I have to go to the bathroom. I wouldn't go to the bathroom. I'd go to the teacher's room. I would fill always a mug. It should look like I'm drinking coffee with crap, something there, and put a napkin over the top thinking I'm hiding it. And, you know, and and then on the way home, I'm going through drive-thrus. And, I'm, you know, and for me, the emerging remorseful, Some people emerge remorseful the next morning. For me, you know, this disease is progressive. I didn't emerge remorseful sometimes until months and years, really. I had binges that seemed to last years. And, you know, this I was taught is the addiction cycle. And then someone told me it's actually the addiction spiral because my binges get longer, they get more severe. The times I emerge remorseful become you know, less and less frequent, and it's a spiral. It gets tighter and tighter and tighter, and at the end, like, my whole existence felt like I'm a black dot in the middle, and I couldn't escape it. 
I couldn't get out. And, you know, so what the only hope that someone like me has is not for the food to disappear from the staff room and not for my employers to suddenly be nice to me, but for me to have a psychic change where I am no longer bothered by those things that always seem to make me succumb. Those people are still those people, but they don't they don't get me worked up the same way anymore. That's a result of working the steps. Thanks. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, let me tell you where we're at. Uh, we are on Roman numeral page 28, the fourth paragraph, men and women drink. And we're focusing on after they have succumbed and there is very, very little hope of his recovery. Those particular sentences at the end of the paragraph. Who would like to share what was read? Jennifer Karen K. Sally A. Diane Jennifer, B. Jennifer, Karen, Amy Diane. B. Amy B. Terry. Kathy H. Kathy H. Kathy S. Kathy S. Let's stop there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, let's try to get these in. So um, I have Jennifer, Karen, Diane, Amy, Carrie, Kathy H, and Kathy S. Jennifer, good morning. Is that you, Jennifer? Press star one. If you're not Jennifer, if you'd mute your phone. Okay, so sorry. I thought I was unmuted. Uh, this is Jennifer from Greenville, South Carolina. Good morning. Um, so <clears throat> entire psychic change, that is my hope today. And I have to share with you what this feels like for me today, this psychic change that's, that's, that's a process, right? It's a process where your mind is thinking completely differently than it once did. I was um, in bed last night, and as I was falling asleep, I had this thought, and the thought was this. Well, maybe, maybe I would eventually be able to have the foods again that don't have sugar or flour, right? And specifically, I was thinking about almond butter. And that thought came into my mind. Uh, well, maybe, maybe at some point I could eat almond butter again. And uh, my history tells me that, that almond butter is very dangerous for me. Any nut butters are. And so immediately that thought came in. And do you know my brain on its own, I didn't do this on, on my own. My brain immediately saw my disease as like a monster, like literally. I was laying there and thinking, it's like a monster that's like coming at you right now with this thought about almond butter. It's like this big, nasty monster that is after your whole life and will use almond butter to get there. And I immediately was able to say, okay, there's that monster trying to come and get me. No, no, that almond butter will never be an option for me because what I've learned in this program is that I have to smash the delusion that I will ever be able to safely eat my alcoholic foods. And it doesn't matter that I can say, well, there's no sugar in that. My disease will use any lie. It doesn't matter that there's no sugar in it. Come on now, we know better than that. That's the psychic change, the entire psychic change where we think differently because we know that this disease will take us out. Um, this morning, I don't have to think about what I ate yesterday. I don't have to wonder, you know, if I'm gonna binge today. I don't have to overthink what I'm gonna eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it's already been decided. My psychic change manifests in the fact that today I get to think about 
outreach calls. Today I get to think about how I'm going to be of service. I get to make my bed today. I never make my bed. I've never made my bed in the food, okay? Um, everything is about survival when I'm binging. So thank God for this psychic change that comes where we can really see this monster for what it is, this disease that will, that will not stop. Um, it will always be there. But what we have is this place of recovery where we can really live happy, joyous, and free. And, um, and this disease can be arrested on a daily basis. So thank you so much for letting me share today. Thank you, Jennifer. Okay, we have Karen followed by Diane. Karen, um, you're up. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Karen Kay, um, recovered compulsive eater from Syracuse, New York. And my credit stone transfer. And I'm so grateful that I don't need to use food to solve my problems. And it wasn't me that did it. And the We Agnostics, it says over and over in different ways because of this twisted mind wants to fight that I can be of power. And it just tells me in different ways over and over again how to find God of my understanding. And I'm so grateful for that. And the past week, God has been speaking to me that something needs to change in me. And I'm so grateful when I talk to my sponsor today that I'm able to talk to her about that change that needs to happen with me. Because abstinence is not about the food. It's about my behavior and how I treat myself and, and others. And I'm so grateful for this meeting because you guys changed my life. And God works through all of you. With that, I'll pass. I love you all. Oh, thanks, Karen. Okay, we have Diane followed by Amy. Good morning, Diane. Your turn. Good morning, Larry. This is Diane B. New Rochelle, New York. And good morning to everybody else on the line today. This is such a great paragraph. And um, sorry, I'm really, really grateful for this program and for this recovery that I'm experiencing. Um, nowhere in the book does it say that I'm going to be cured of this addiction. Nowhere does it say that I am never going to have this disease of um, food addiction again. Um, and there's no place that states that the, uh, that the difficult emotions that I feel won't return. So sometimes I still get restless, irritable discontent. Um, I still have these human feelings, but the difference is that they're no longer built up as much as they used to be because I'm using my steps on a daily basis. And we've heard many times from a friend of ours in Arizona who talks about the buildup of human emotions. So today, when I have these um, feelings that I feel like, oh, I can't deal with this, I can't deal with this, and I went through this earlier this week where I just couldn't stop crying for a couple of days uh, for various reasons, but I just felt so out of control emotionally, and I felt very scared, had a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. However, instead of turning to the food, which I used to do, I now turn to my higher power, I turn to my fellows, I have a friend who calls her fellows her gods in skin. I use the steps. I pray. I meditate. I do step 11 a lot. Um, and then the emotions pass. But it's not like that they just pass. It's like it's not temporary. It's like they feel resolved or I feel more resolved. When I use the food to deal with these emotions, then it comes back. The emotions come back as soon as the food wears off, and then the food gets bigger and bigger in my mind. And today, when I use my higher power and the tools and the steps of this program, then the emotions feel like they're much smaller, and 
again, I'm going to just continue to use my higher power. So I don't have the lower power of food and self-sufficiency, which I used to use a lot. They don't loom over me. They don't loom large over me. So now I feel like I know that I'm in recovery because I've had an entire psychic change, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And I'm so grateful that I have this, and I'm so grateful that I have people to talk to. Um, And I just, you know, I know that I'm still going to have human emotions. It's just the way it goes as being a human person. Um, So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Diane. Amy, what you going to do? Hey, Amy, good morning. It's your turn. Oh, good morning, Larry. Thank you. That's so sweet that you just sang that. My dad said that to me. Um, good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Thank you, everybody else, for your service this morning. This is Amy B. in New York. So grateful to be on the line this morning. This is such an amazing paragraph. And um, as others before me have, it's the entire psychic change that jumped out that I want to speak about. Um, psychic is, is defined as um, relating to the soul or mind. Um, the soul or the mind, an entire psychic change, an entire change in my soul and my mind. And really, it's just about where I'm centered, where my, where my soul and mind and heart are centered. And unfortunately, my whole life, it was always on my own pain and fear and uh, need to protect myself and, and inability to deal with my emotions. And that's all I could think of that's all my soul was filled with was my fear and my pain and that was my center that was where it all came from and through this program through OA I have been gifted with the change in perception that puts at the center not my fear and not my pain but the divine love of this universe, of my creator, of the collective love that all of us have brought today. I want that. I want that to be filling my soul and my mind. I want my whole psychic existence to be about divine love. And that is what I have gotten from OA, from my, from my own stumbles. I have been given the greatest gift of all. And I am so grateful, so endlessly grateful for that. So grateful to everyone on this line. I want to repeat what somebody shared before me. I first thanked God for bringing me to OA, but now I got to thank OA for bringing me to God. Thank you all so much for being here this morning. With that, I pass. Oh, thanks, Amy. Okay, we have Carrie followed by Kathy. Hey, Carrie, good morning. Your turn. Good morning, everyone. This is Carrie N. I uh, recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. Um, the word succumbed is what's sticking out for me today. And I have written there to yield to a superior force. <laughs> and meaning I, I couldn't not succumb. Like I had no choice but to succumb. And what's interesting to me this time around is that I don't know how many times I read <laughs> Bill's story before the line, my rising nerves were stilled at last, jumped out at me and realized that I picked up for ease and comfort and that, you know, with that, that was why 
I picked up the food again. You know, people are talking about, I relate to everything that everybody has said, you know, um, you know, that I would try this over and over thinking I had some kind of control when in reality I had absolutely no control and that that mental obsession would always, 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 always bring me back to the food. And I actually didn't even understand it. And I think it's amazing to me how long I can be around the program and recovery and, um, and not really understand what was going on with me. And that, you know, I, I get restless, irritable, and discontent. And I related to everything that someone shared about the work thing. And you would think that <laughs> because I always picked up at work, that I would have some kind of clue that it was because I was so stressed at work or upset or having difficulty dealing with things that that was why work was always my downfall. And, um, but it, you know, it takes what it takes, like they say, and, you know, grateful that I, it's been pointed out to me by a, a wonderful sponsor, you know, like looking at what the food did for me. And, you know, today that ease and comfort comes from working the steps and from going to God. And I have to go to God for everything. <laughs> I just, and I'm so grateful for learning that I am able to go to God and my fellows to, you know, stay in recovery one day at a time. And I'm very grateful this morning. And I'm so happy I got to share. <laughs> it's it's a struggle, but I'm pushing through. So thanks so much for everybody being there. And I passed. Thanks, Carrie. That extra 20 uh, got you in, but thanks so much, Carrie. Okay, we got Kathy followed by Kathy. Kathy H., good morning. Kathy, please press star one. Kathy H.? Good morning, right, Larry. Thank you. There you are. Yep, here I am. Um, my name is Kathy Yates. I'm from uh, Albany, New York, and I'm on vacation this week in um, in York, Maine. And I uh, I've done something with the help of my higher power and you guys. I've uh, not eaten out all week. You know, I've uh, I'm a bulimic and a compulsive overeater and uh, a former restaurant owner and you know food. I'm a recovering foodie as well, and I just didn't believe that I could not eat out, but my life is so much saner. I'm a, you know, exercise bulimic as well, and I'm not having to do 60-mile bike rides to uh, make up for what I would have, you know, eat, possibly eaten, and uh, I've been listening to the meetings on and off for a couple of years. I have 76 days uh, absent today from bulimia. And from sugar, and I'm just extremely grateful. This is my first time calling, and I, you know, it's a miracle that I got through. So thank you very much. Yeah, wonder, wonder, miracles. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, we got Kathy S. Another miracle. Good morning, Kathy. <laughs> Good morning, Larry. <laughs> this is Kathy S. Recovered compulsive overeater in Georgia, and um, I could simply say Amen to all of the shares that have been said and be done, but I'm an addict and I need to say more. So um, it is this paragraph that God used to draw me to the well. Um, 
I did not have physical weight to lose. And as fortunate as that sounds, it was maddening. And often the very trap door that my disease used to get me back out in the food. My family and friends thought I was crazy. And even in a way, you know, they would look at me and just be like, what are you doing here? And, uh, you know, I was told I was just too strict with myself and with the food or that I'm a perfectionist and you need to give yourself grace which was true spiritually, but not with um, when it came to my allergic food. So it was very confusing. Um, yes, maybe I did control food to try to shrink in size and out of life, only to need the freedom of a binge. But I also, my experience was definitely here um, with a physical allergy. I ate for uh, an effect to get rid of the restlessness and irritability and discontentment in um, abstinence that I, and I would see others who were of normal weight or even bigger than me with impunity. And then I would certainly succumb to the desire. And uh, again, that disease would side with other 12 step programs as well as the rehab um, places I'd been to and nutritionists who often said restricting specific ingredients and binge foods is the problem, that moderation is the answer. Uh, Again, but my truth was I had an allergy and I developed that phenomenon of craving would happen. And upon one bite of that food, um, despite every resolution or plan to moderate, I sprayed all over the place. (laughs) And uh, I would cry in my closet, ever remorseful, and come up with a game plan, uh, only to binge again even earlier and more extreme. And um, so, you know, this just, it would repeat itself until I conceded my truth and put down the foods and behaviors, which also included intense exercise entirely, and then turned my will over to God. And my sponsor and I prayed over everything, and God led us on this path of grace and flow through the 12 steps to freedom. God revealed a way that's right for me, and today I'm recovered, having the promises coming true in my life. So um, as an addict, I still need and look for an effect, but I get it today. I get ease and comfort giving away tent steps, doing service, making outreach calls, and it is good. It is so good. So I thank you all for your support, for everything I needed to learn and and yeah, I wouldn't be here without you guys and God. So thank you. And I pass. Oh, thanks, Kathy. Oh, good. We have time for maybe two, two and a half minute shares. Who would like those spots? Kate C. Kate? Kate, let's go with you and let's see where we're at, okay? Good morning, Kate. Good morning. I have just been struck, so listening to this hour, and I am coming out of relapse, and it's one thing to get through and out with the sugar and get it out of my body, but it's another Part, which I have amnesia to is what it does to me emotionally and I'm still emotionally hung over from that waiting to get back to 
uh, a, a type of living that I am much more comfortable in. I mean, I still feel just sort of worn out from the whole thing. And maybe some of you others can identify with that. Um, But I guess that's about all I have to share with that. And just know anybody who's thinking about a relapse, it's one thing to get the food out, but it's another thing to find emotional sobriety. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Kate. We've got time for one more share. Who wants that spot? Joanne H. from Boston. All right, Joanne. We're the best. We saved the best for last from Boston. Good morning. <laughs> oh, the, <laughs> good morning. Oh, the pressure. Good morning, everyone. Yes, I can so identify with being totally powerless and succumbing to a power greater than myself, which was the food. I came into OA when I was 18 years old. And in and out of a way, it took me 30 years, in and out, the punishment of the food. Actually, I was in relapse seven years before finally, it was a psychic change. It was really a gift from God. It was almost like divine intervention. I was on my knees January 3rd, and it was 10 at night. I'd been eating that day. And I thought, oh, good, I have two more hours to binge because 8 a.m. is going to be the magic wake-up absent an hour. And I got on my knees, and the thought came, and it was really divine. If you don't stop right now, right now, 10 o'clock, you may lose another decade of your life. You may wake up in your 50s and wonder, what happened to my 50s? And it was really profound. I remember just crying because I... Food was my best friend. It had filled so many hours, and yet it was my enemy. And I didn't know how this was going to happen. And I was working with the sponsor. And thank God that was the last time. Because the thought was like, you're on a train. Once you hop on that food train, you think you know you can get off at the next stop. But really, you never know. This train's going. And you may never get off. So, And then after that working the steps in the big book and just so many other miracles. I'm just so grateful. I'm not walking. It feels so good to feel healthy, walking, outdoors, and grateful. That's all I get from God. Thank you, Larry. Pass. Oh, thanks, Joanne. Thank you for wrapping us up there. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID for today's meeting this morning. That share ID is 1,000, or excuse me, 15,151. That's 15151. Okay, so now we're going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Hey, Sam S., can you get us going here? You bet, Larry. Thank you. This is Sam Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. You will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.